Welcome to Thrive Community Podcast. We are a church community that is passionate about helping you thrive in your life with Jesus. If you're after more information about Thrive Community, hop onto our website at www.thrivecommunity.au. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired by this message. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, talking about resurrection life and how ultimately the resurrection life that we have in Jesus is not something that we just think about and talk about on that one day of the year, but resurrection life is something that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have for us in our every day. And part of the time that we shared on Resurrection Sunday, I talked about it in the context of like a maths equation in some ways, right? That we contribute our sin and our humanity, and then we add the divinity of Jesus and his sinless humanity, and ultimately the outcome is a new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. And thinking about it in the context of this this maths equation, and I'm not sure whether it's just because over the holidays the kids have been doing all these maths workbooks, I feel like I've been kind of in this, this maths mode, but I wanted to look at another maths equation this morning. So it does feel a little bit like, you know, Welcome to Matt's class a little bit right again. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Christine. You, you can leave if you want. That's right. <laughs> um, but our, our Matt's equation for today comes from, from 1 John 4, verse 4. And we're going to read it in a few different translations. But first of all, from, from the New King James, 1 John 4, verse 4. And... Many of you would be familiar with this. I'm sure you've heard it a bunch of times. Maybe you've heard a bunch of messages preached around this as well. And it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the reason I think I see this as a bit of a maths equation is the greater than. Right, there's that greater than symbol. I don't know, I always learned it as crocodile eats the bigger number. <laughs> Where you've got the crocodile mouth that eats the, eats the bigger number, that, that chevron, that greater than symbol. So we've got he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But what does that really mean? I, I wonder whether you've thought about that a whole lot. Is that simply just saying that God is better than the devil? In which case you go, well, that's... Hopefully we each understand that already. Is it simply saying that God is better? Is it saying that life with Jesus is going to have greater success, greater wealth, greater comfort than if we spent our life following the world's ways? What is this actually saying and how does it apply in our everyday lives? That he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I feel like this flows off the back of the last few weeks because when we understand this, it helps us to understand what resurrection life looks like. It helps us to understand how to live that out in our everyday lives, to live in the victory that Jesus has won for us. And so I want to begin by putting this verse in context, and I'm going to read 1 John 4 from verse 1 down to verse 4, and this is from the Amplified. And it kind of just helps us get a bit of an idea of what John is trying to get at here. And it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit speaking through a self-proclaimed prophet. 
Instead, test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world. By this you know and recognize the Spirit of God, that every spirit that acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ has actually come in the flesh as a man is from God. God is its source. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the Son's true nature, is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. And here's verse 4. Little children, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so the context here, it's talking about testing the spirits and this kind of battle between good and evil, discerning in some ways between what is the true Jesus and the fake Jesus that's out in the world and being able to tell the difference and discern between the two. And the promise in 1 John 4, 4 is that we have overcome those false prophets, those false teachers. We've overcome the spirit of the Antichrist. We've overcome those things that are pushing that fake Jesus and that agenda that's against the nature of God. We have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I think this is actually important for us to to think about and understand, even if we've been Christians for decades, the, the reality is we live in the world and as we just read, the spirit of the Antichrist is, is in the world. And it's all around us pushing this fake Jesus, pushing an agenda that goes against the nature of God, denying his true identity and his true nature. And even if we've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, while I certainly believe that no Christian true follower of Jesus can be possessed by the spirit of the Antichrist, we can fall susceptible to some of his lies and his tricks and his schemes. And from time to time, if that's around us in the world, there might be parts of our mindsets and our thinking that are believing some of the lies that the spirit of the Antichrist is pushing around the world. Maybe we fall victim to some of his schemes from now and then and the little things that come against us. And it's important for us to to be aware of that because sometimes it's not always obvious, right? That real Jesus and the fake Jesus and the tension around all of that isn't always obvious. It can be really subtle in our thoughts, in our mindsets, in the way we believe and the way that we respond. And so that 1 John 4 verse 3, where it says that every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the son's true nature is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And I find this really interesting. It's basically saying that there might be times where or spirits that acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh, but they deny the Son's true nature. And I wonder if we think about our own lives and reflect in our own hearts whether there's any parts of our theology or our thinking where perhaps we might deny any of the Son's true nature. But if the spirit of the Antichrist is something that denies any of the Son's true nature... Like I said, perhaps from time to time we might fall into some of the schemes of the little lies that he's pushing around and about us. Are there parts in our hearts or or our theology where perhaps we are denying some of the son's true nature? For example, he is perfect, unconditional love. But maybe we deny that by putting conditions and performance around the love that he's made available for us. 
What about, you know, we might be people who see him as a faithful friend and, you know, the lover of our souls, and he absolutely is that. But part of his nature is also a righteous judge. And do we actually welcome him in the fullness of his nature and all that he is? What about him as provider? Do we deny some of his nature in providing every single one of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Do we try and sort that out ourselves and fall victim to some of those lies where we're denying his ability to actually provide for us? Or protector, that's the same thing, isn't it? Sometimes we perhaps deny his nature as protector and think that we need to take that on ourselves or turn to something else to protect us and shield us. What about him being all-powerful, all-knowing and all-seeing? We, we don't always necessarily live our lives, or speaking of myself, you know, in a way that reflects the fact that he is all-powerful in everything, all-knowing and all-seeing. I wonder if there's little thought patterns and little lies that we've believed that deny some of the son's true nature. Because Jesus is not just, like I said, a great teacher. He's not just the lover of our soul, but he's also our perfect saviour. He's also a faithful friend. He's also a righteous judge. He's also the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the creator of all the earth. He is our everything. And so perhaps it's worth just reflecting in your own heart whether there's parts of the son's true nature that we might deny in different ways through our mindsets and our thinking. But the good news from 1 John 4 verse 4 is that we don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to live under that because we are able to overcome and conquer these lies. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's what I want to focus on from here is unpacking that, that statement. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the first point I want to make about this is actually a really, really important one. And that is that it does not say that you are greater. It doesn't say that you are greater. It actually says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And I think sometimes when I've heard this and maybe it's been subconscious or maybe it's just you know times where I've been dealing with pride stuff, but at times I think I've heard that as you are greater because of he who is in you. But actually, it doesn't say that. It just says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that in itself, I think, is almost a really countercultural thought. We were talking about this um, just while we were setting up, and a few of us went to see the Jesus Revolution movie on, on Friday night. If you haven't seen it, it actually is a really, really great movie and well worth seeing, just documenting the revival in the US in the 1970s and all that God did through the Jesus people movement. And we were just talking about, you know, Lord, what is the key for this generation? What are you doing across this generation? And, you know, just looking at this, that it's he who is in you, I think it ultimately is countercultural because so much of the culture today is about self-help, self-discovery, self-expression, your self-empowerment. Ultimately, that's what culture out there is pushing so much that it's all about you can be who you want to be and discovering who you are and empowering you and helping yourself to be the greatest version of you that you can be. When on the other side, following Jesus is actually about self-denial and dying to self, the complete opposite of what so much of the culture is saying today. 
All throughout scripture, Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross. If you give up your life, then you will find it. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it's so important that that's the frame of reference that we see this scripture through, that we don't think it's us being greater. We don't think it's about us necessarily being the ones who have overcome and have the victory. It's because of he who is in us and that alone that we are able to live that resurrection life. It's because we're empowered by that indwelling presence of Jesus. And that in itself is an, is an interesting thought where you go, he who is in you, who is actually in us? Right? Th- theologically, who is in you? Is it, is it Jesus? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God the Father? Who is in us? And I love how you know, when you read through scripture, so often, if you read the context, you find the answer to some of the things that you're kind of asking and wrestling with. So all you have to do is just go to the last verse of 1 John chapter 3, right? We read from 1 John chapter 4, 1 to 4. I'm sure we all know, right, that the chapter breaks and the verse breaks was something that were introduced to make it easier for us. But this was just one continuous letter that was, that was written. And 1 John three twenty four, it says, we know He lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Speaking about, we know that Jesus lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. The message says, and this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us, by the spirit he gave us. So we have Jesus in us because his presence is in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in us. So we have the very presence of Jesus living in us because the presence of Jesus lives in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And it tells us here, then ultimately coming back to 1 John 4 verse 4, that he who is in you, it's the Spirit of God which contains the very indwelling presence of Jesus is in us. And that is greater than the spirit of Satan that is in the world. 1 John 4 verse 4 in the New Living talks about, you know, and uses the word spirit because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And so coming back to this is a bit of a, a maths equation. We've got nearly all of the parts put together that he being the Holy Spirit who is in you, in you and me, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, is greater than, and the crocodile eats the bigger number, is, is greater than, you know, the, the greater than symbol, Christine? Yep, that's how I've always remembered it. Crocodile eats the bigger number. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's how I've tried to teach the kids. Is greater than he, the spirit of Satan or the spirit of Antichrist, who is in the world. And so the, the last part of that equation is what is the world? You know, I wonder if you have ever thought about that in the context of this before. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What, what is the world? What do you think about when we say that? Do you think about the big planet, you know, the shot from an astronaut where you've got the, you know, the blue and the green and the, and the planet? Is that... Or is it just the, the mass of humanity that covers all of the earth? The 8 billion people, is that the world? What, what is the world here? If the spirit who lives in us is greater than the spirit who lives in the world, what is the world? And again, I love that the answer to this is provided in that same letter in 1 John. 1 John 2.16 tells us very clearly 1 John 2.16, I'm going to read from the, from the Amplified. And it says, Here, for all that is in the world, and it tells us all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. And I find that really fascinating, that when it's talking about he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, that that reference to world there is actually speaking about a deeper spiritual reality. It's not talking about the planet. It's not talking about just the mass of humanity, but actually it's talking about you know, the desires, the emotions, the feelings, the cravings, the lusts that are driving our fallen world, that are controlling the world around us. It's this deeper spiritual reality behind all that is pushing a sinful humanity further and further into darkness. And so there's three categories, and all of the world falls into those three categories based on what 1 John 2.16 says here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All that is in the world falls into those three categories. The, the message translation says that those three are wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, and wanting to appear important. Isn't that interesting? That the whole world can be summed up in this unhealthy desire to want your own way, to want everything for yourself, or to want to appear important. And I wonder whether, you know, we just take a moment to reflect on our world, to reflect on the issues that are going on, and you'd probably say almost everything does fall into one of those categories. Whether it's geopolitical wars, at some level it's probably someone wanting their own way or wanting to appear important or wanting to have everything for themselves. Or even in our own lives, there might be things, three, three things. <laughs> say them again. The three things from 1 John 2.16 are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But the message defines those as wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, and wanting to appear important. And like I said, I, I feel like when I was reflecting and putting this together, that, yeah, almost everything that is wrong with our world probably comes back to one of those, those three things. And I also can't help but think that that whole kind of cultural dialogue of self-empowerment, self-help and self-discovery ultimately is driven by this. You can see the alignment where you're wanting your own way, you're wanting everything for yourself, you're wanting to appear important and how those two fit together and you can see that ultimately these three things are driving all of fallen humanity. But just as there are three things that summarize the world, there are also three things that make up the kingdom of God on the other side of the equation. And I find that amazing. Romans 14 verse 17, right? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we've got three things on one side and three things on the other. On one side of the maths equation, we have the Holy Spirit, who is the spiritual force behind righteousness, peace and joy. And on the other side of the maths equation, we have the spirit of Satan, who is the, the spiritual force behind the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And what 1 John 4, 4 tells us that righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is greater than lust, greed and pride in the spirit of the Antichrist or the spirit of Satan. And I think that in itself is amazing news for us and for our hearts, for our lives, for our families, for the prodigals, for those that have wandered away, for those that are broken, for those that are hurting. This is great news that righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is greater than lust, greed and pride in the spirit of Satan. And hopefully by now you're beginning to see that this verse isn't just talking about 
you know, God being better than Satan. It's not talking about, you know, your life being full of greater wealth, greater comfort. If we follow God compared to following the ways of the world. This isn't promising a great, easy, comfortable life. This is actually promising us victory against the spiritual forces that are trying to steal, kill and destroy our peace, our joy, our relationship and our life with Jesus. This is telling us that through the Holy Spirit that lives in us, we have victory over the spiritual forces that are trying to steal our joy, that are trying to steal our peace, that are trying to steal our life and our relationship with Jesus. And the word used for greater here comes from the Greek word megas. And it's not just talking about, you know, a little bit better. It's not just talking about a battle that was kind of a close call and could have gone either way. But actually, it means greater in all of its forms and context. And so it's talking about greater in size and number, greater in authority, power, rank, greater in importance, greater in splendor, greater in esteem and excellence. And so if righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is greater in importance and authority and rank and size and power than the lust, greed and pride in the world... What, what does that then mean for us in our everyday lives, right? That, that statement alone, hopefully we would all agree that, yes, we do think those things are greater than the lies of the world. But how does that play out in our lives? What does that practically mean? And I just wanted to spend a little bit of time digging into that, and then we'll open up for, for worship and prayer. So we've got three categories of things on one side of the equation in the Holy Spirit, and three categories of things on the other side of the equation in the world, in the spirit of Satan. And I want to look at each of those briefly. So if we start with perhaps the pride of life and looking at the different translations of that phrase across a bunch of different Bible translations, here's some of the translations and the meanings of that that phrase. The pride of life also means, as I said before, wanting to appear, appear important. The assurance in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things Trying to find stability and insurance and assurance in the things that you, you have. The obsession with status and importance or arrogance produced by material possessions. And here's another one. Pride in our achievements and possessions. You know, I see all of that as this idea of placing value on, on external things and trying to find our, our identity, trying to find our worth in the possessions that we have or our accomplishments or our achievements. And... That's saying that that is one of those three things in the world. And if we look at the three on either side of the equation, I feel like ultimately the, the response to those wrestles, those struggles, the pride of life is found in the righteousness that we have in Jesus, right? On one side, we have the pride of life and the other side, we have the righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And so if we're struggling, if we're wrestling with these types of lusts, desires, cravings, we can find victory in and through the righteousness that we have in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. And perhaps, you know, whether it's your own life or someone else that you know, this might be a way for us to also be praying for people who are caught up in the pride of life. And we can begin declaring and speaking a deeper revelation of righteousness over them and over their, their hearts. Because righteousness in the Holy Spirit is greater than the pride of life in the spirit of Satan, the pride of life in the world. And if we spend time meditating, praying and declaring 
you know, the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I really believe that that is a key to helping us find freedom from the pride of life because ultimately our value and our importance is not found in our achievements. It's not found in our accomplishments. It's not found in our possessions. Our value, our status, our importance, our worth was established at the cross of Christ. And that is eternally established because of what Jesus has done. And a couple of scriptures to support this position. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I think we read this a couple of times during the, the few weeks we're unpacking all that Jesus has done. That he made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Isn't that so great? Such amazing news that we can be accepted and in right standing because of what Christ has done. Not our own effort, not our own striving. We don't need to worry about our worth going up and down depending on the possessions that we have, depending on our achievements that week or that month. No, we are established in the righteousness of God through what Christ has done for us. Easier said than done. I'm also on the journey as well. But I do believe, you know, that digging into this quite clearly, the righteousness we have in the Holy Spirit is so much greater than the pride of life. And when we begin growing in our revelation of righteousness, that grip of the pride of life begins to loosen and we can find freedom. Philippians 3 verse 3, this has been a a scripture that I think I've used a few times over the, the last couple of years and it has been something that stuck with me for a number of years, speaking about letting go of the pride that we might have in our own accomplishments. And it says, For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God and exalt and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ. We're called to be people who pride only in Jesus Christ, not in our possessions or our accomplishments. And it goes on to say, Put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh, on outward privileges, physical advantages, or external appearances. And I find that really challenging. And I found it really challenging probably 10 years ago when God first spoke to me about it. And I still find it challenging today. You know, that if we took away all of our outward privileges, took away all of our physical advantages, took away all of our external appearances, would our level of confidence and worth and value change? And if, if the answer is yes, then ultimately we've, we're still putting confidence in the flesh. We're still holding on to that, that pride of life in, in some way, shape or form. As I said, a really challenging thought for me personally. But we can know that the righteousness we have in the Holy Spirit is greater than the pride of life. And then if we go to the second of you know, the three parts of this equation, looking at the lust of the flesh... Again, some of the translations of this phrase, wanting your own way, selfish desires, gratification of our flesh, or craving for physical pleasure, the lust of the flesh. And to me, this speaks about trying to to seek joy and fulfillment in pleasure, right? Craving and going after something where we feel like we'll fill that empty place in our hearts by fulfilling our own selfish desires, that's the, the, the lust of the flesh. And again, if we work our way through, I love how these speak to one another. There is a beautiful place in the joy of the Lord where we can know that we have all that we need. We are filled with the joy of the Lord and we know that the joy we have in the Holy Spirit is greater 
than the lust of the flesh on the other side of the equation. So if we're finding ourselves tempted or wrestling in in this space, maybe praying for someone who's struggling with these things, there is victory by standing on the joy that we have in the Holy Spirit. The joy in the Holy Spirit is greater than the lust of the flesh. John 15, 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or your joy may be full. We have the joy of Jesus inside of us and that's complete, that's full. We have that joy inexpressible and full of glory, as it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that that joy of Jesus is in us. We don't need to be chasing joy and fulfillment and satisfaction through pleasure and giving in to all sorts of selfish desires. We don't need to be trying to please those desires in order to fill a void in our hearts because our joy is complete in Jesus. And again, obviously a whole lot easier said than done. But we begin to see that if we're wrestling with the lust of the flesh, one way to respond is to turn to the joy that we have in Jesus because the joy in the Holy Spirit is greater than the lust of the flesh. And lastly, the third one of these equations is the lust of the eyes, right? So we've talked about the pride of life and we know that the righteousness we have in the Holy Spirit is greater than the pride of life. We've talked about the lust of the flesh and that the joy we have in the Holy Spirit is greater than the lust of the flesh. And lastly, the lust of the eyes, again, different translations, wanting everything for yourself, the allurement of the things of the world, greedy longings of the mind, or passion to have things. And the distinction I see here between the pride of life is is finding worth and finding value in your status and your achievements and your accomplishments. But here it's where you're trying to kind of fill a void in your heart by just accumulating stuff and greedily wanting things. It's sort of seeking peace through material possessions where you're trying to, in some ways, you know, deal with a difficult situation by just greedily accumulating things, thinking that somehow that's going to provide us with peace. But again, we have an answer on the other side of the equation through all that Christ has done for us and all that we have in the Holy Spirit. So if we're wrestling, struggling with these kinds of desires, there's victory in the peace that we have in the Holy Spirit. The peace of God in the Holy Spirit is greater than the lust of the eyes. And as followers of Jesus, we, we know that ultimately our greatest reward is waiting for us in heaven, that, that God is faithful to meet all of our needs in order for us to fulfill the plan and the purpose that he's called us to here on earth. We're not trying to, or we don't need to, greedily accumulate a whole bunch of things for our own comfort or to try to please anyone or do something particular. We know that ultimately there is a peace that we have in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the provision of God, and we can be content in all circumstances, regardless of whether we find ourselves with you know, this much in our bank account or this much in our bank account, we can be content in all circumstances. And we see that through Paul in his letter to the Philippians, right? Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life. Whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need, I can do all things 
which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. So the peace we have in the Holy Spirit is greater than the lust of the eyes. And as we kind of bring all of these things together, I hope that you know, we can each walk away beginning to see that there's this certain victory that we have through the promise in 1 John 4 verse 4. That, that we have overcome the spirit of Satan. We've overcome the spirit of the Antichrist because of all that we have in the Holy Spirit. That you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We've got on one side of the equation, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is greater than lust, greed, and pride in the spirit of Satan. That righteousness is greater than the pride of life. That joy is greater than the lust of the flesh. And that peace is greater than the lust of the eyes. And my prayer is that for each of us, because let's be honest, we probably all, like I said, we're surrounded by the spirit of the Antichrist in the world all the time at some level, wrestle with different parts of this in different ways. And that we would be people who are equipped and growing in how to respond and how to declare our victory over the things that might come against us. And that we would grow in recognizing that if we're struggling with the pride of life, whether that's wanting our own way, whether that's finding value and status in our own worth, that we would be able to respond by declaring the righteousness of God that we have in Christ Jesus. And also the lust of the flesh, that desire to perhaps fill a void by giving in to selfish desires. We recognize that we can turn to the complete full joy we have in the Lord. And lastly, that lust of the eyes, that greedy desire to accumulate things. We can turn and find peace and know that the peace of God is there for us in every circumstance and we can find contentment in that So that was kind of primarily all I wanted to share this morning is just continuing to dig deeper into all that Christ has done for us and the greater work that he has done that means we are able to live in that resurrection life every day of our lives. That we don't need to be those who are bound up by the things of the world because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And as we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that we would continue to find freedom, we would continue to find life, we would continue to find abundance in him.